Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Visual Politic Podcast. I'm your host, Simon. And in this episode, we are looking at the problem with Iran and oil tankers. It was originally a video that was put out on our YouTube channel. You can find that at Visual Politic. If you just search it in YouTube or Google, you will easily find it. Uh, Politic with a K, by the way, because we're weird. Uh, this was originally released in July of 2019. As always, I'm going to jump in with any audio and stuff like that as necessary to explain stuff, and let's just get into it. This is one of the most important enclaves on the planet, the Strait of Hormuz. Maybe this is the first time you've heard of this place. Nevertheless, one out of five oil barrels brought across the globe departs from here. Most of the Gulf's production comes from this port. As you can see, we have three countries here. The United Arab Emirates, Oman, and the Islamic Republic of Iran. So this place, it could become the battlefield for a war between America and Iran. And believe me, the scenario, it actually seems pretty likely. In fact, the only reason there is no war between these two countries now is because of a last-minute decision taken by Donald Trump himself. By the end of this video, you'll understand what's going on in this very important region of the world. Let's be clear here, oil is the lifeblood of today's economy. Maybe one day this will change, but nowadays, whether we like it or not, we need our dinosaur juice for virtually everything. And most of this crude is carried on tankers. This explains why news like this is quite so worrisome. From CNBC Oil tanker attacks in the Strait of Hormuz requires an international response. U.S. envoy to Iran says. At the time this video was made, six oil tankers have been attacked. Somebody put limpet mines on the ship hulls. Limpet mines are not very powerful explosives, but they are destructive enough to make a hole in the hull so the ship cannot set sail. And now you might be wondering, well, who planted these limpet mines? At this moment, well, nobody knows for sure, but Donald Trump believes that this was Iran's doing. Think about it. With the nuclear sanctions, Iran can hardly sell its oil to anybody. This is why the White House believes, since they can't export crude, they decided to close the Strait of Hormuz. Add to this the fact that America hates Iran, and Saudi Arabia hates Iran even more. And of course, Saudi Arabia is America's best friend, especially under Trump's administration. So in other words, Washington doesn't need many excuses to attack Tehran. And Iran is making it even easier for them. In fact, in response to those attacks on the tankers, America sent a drone to the Iranian coast. The drone was knocked down by a missile sent by Iran. The situation it was extremely tense, but it could get even worse. Think about it. So far, we're talking about holes in ships and a knocked-down drone, but no human losses. This is where Trump had to make a decision. Should he answer the attack on this drone or not? An airstrike on the region would surely mean the deaths of Iranian people, and if America killed Iranians, Iran would want to kill Americans. And in that situation, a dead American soldier would be more than enough for Donald Trump to start a war against Iran. That's exactly when Eurasia Group, a consultancy, said that there was a 40% chance that the airstrike would start a war. And then, against the odds, Donald Trump made a rather sensible last-minute decision. On Monday, they 
shot down an unmanned drone flying in international waters. We were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites when I asked how many will die. 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Donald Trump on Twitter. So now the question is, how did we get here? Is a war between America and Iran really that probable? How responsible would Donald Trump be for it? And most important of all, who is attacking these tankers? Well, today we are going to answer all of these questions. But before we do, let's take a look back at the history. consequences. On Visual Politic, we have a series of videos devoted to the Iran sanctions. If you want to understand all of this in depth, you should check it out. But I'll make a quick summary for everyone who's new to this channel. For years, Iran was isolated from international trade as a punishment for its nuclear program. In the year 2015, Obama made a deal with Tehran. Basically, the United States would lift most of the trade embargo in exchange for Iran stopping its manufacturing of nukes. All of a sudden, Iran could restart its oil exports. But a year later, Trump came to office. One of his first policies was to break that nuclear deal with Iran. According to him, Iran never stopped its nuclear program, despite what anybody said. So from one day to the next, America went back to the embargo. But Trump, he didn't stop here. His goal was to make the entire world stop trading with Iran, not just American companies. And this is where an important question was raised. Why would a European company obey what Washington said? Well, months later, we can say that Trump won that fight. Most of the world has stopped investing in Iran. This includes Renault factories and French oil rigs. As you can imagine, this has had terrible consequences for Iran's economy. From Radio Father. Iran's latest inflation figure tops 50% food prices jump 85%. Yep, you heard that right. Despite Iran having the world's fourth largest oil reserves, nobody dares to buy from them. So the country is on the edge of collapse. And on top of all that, there are protests happening against the government. At this point, I know what many of you might be thinking. Is this the end of the Ayatollah regime? In fact, no, the opposite is true. What is happening is what we predicted months ago here at Visual Politic. In Iranian politics, there are three main factions, reformists, moderates, and radicals. Iran's current president, Hassan Rouhani, is a moderate. This is why he was willing to reach that nuclear deal with America. But after the conversations failed, his political capital fell to its lowest point. And who wins in this scenario? Well, yes, that would be the radicals, those who wanted to keep the nuclear program at any cost and never wanted to talk with the White House. So among these radicals, we have a very important group, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard is an elite group created in order to maintain the values of the Ayatollah Revolution. They have state-of-the-art weapons and world-class trainings, and Believe me, they have never been as powerful as they are right now. From the Wall Street Journal. Iran's elite defense force finds new funding sources as tensions rise with the US. As you know, Iran plays its role as a regional power and it participates in foreign wars. The group that trains the pro-Iranian warriors in countries like Syria, Lebanon, and Yemen is this revolutionary guard. In recent years, the troops trained by them have increased by 20%. For example, Hezbollah or the Houthi rebels are so deadly because of this training. And so how does this revolutionary guard get its funding? Well, that's with state monopolies. 
A good share of Iran's economy is in their hands. For example, the Iranian telecom company is owned by them, and in the past few years, many other businesses are falling under their control. Here's another example. Total is a French oil company. With the Trump sanctions, they had to abandon all of their oil rigs. So guess who's taking them now? Yeah, exactly. From OZY Revolutionary guards drill into Iran's gas potential. In other words, Iran's economy is like a cake. Now the cake is getting smaller and smaller, but the Revolutionary Guard is having a bigger and bigger share of it. At this moment, we can say that they are more powerful than the president himself. And this explains news like this. From CNN. Iran nuclear deal. Enriched uranium limit will be breached on June 27th. In other words, officially, Iran is restarting its nuclear program. If Trump thought that sanctions would push the Ayatollah into the corner, his plan has just backfired. But hold on a minute now, because if you thought the situation couldn't get any worse, well, pay attention to this next chapter. War in Yemen has sort of become the Arab Vietnam. Yemen is the only poor country in the Arabian Peninsula, and this is the battlefield on which the Saudis and the Iranians fight their proxy war. Initially, this was meant to be a quick war. At the end of the day, Saudi Arabia has the third most expensive army on the planet with top-notch weaponry, American support, and tons and tons of money. But as we explained in a previous video, money can buy good weapons, but it cannot buy a good strategy. This is why those who the rebels are causing such a big headache for the Saudis. And this is a hell of a problem. Despite losing the war, the Saudis have enough money to keep fighting without surrendering. As long as America and the UK keep sending weapons, Saudi Arabia will keep bombing. And as long as Iran keeps supporting the Houthis, the war in Yemen won't budge. Nowadays, the violence in the region is so insane that it's reached beyond Yemeni borders. From DW. Yemen's Houthi rebels strike Saudi airports. This year, in 2019, the Houthi rebels attacked a power plant and an oil pipe in Saudi territory. But if you thought that was bad enough, here's the news that has shaken the world's economic backbone. From The Guardian. Two oil tankers attacked in the Gulf of Oman. At the time this video was made, six oil tankers have been attacked. Who orchestrated these attacks, we still don't know. America thinks Iran is behind this, and it seems reasonable that Houthi rebels did this. These rebels have Iranian training, but they might be acting on their own behalf. Not only that, remember that the ones who are training this group are the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, and those boys, they don't need Tehran's permission to do anything. In other words, perhaps Rouhani doesn't want to attack oil tankers, but even if it was him, he might not be able to control the Houthi rebels. Anyway, this is all just speculation. The truth is, at the time we made this video, nobody has claimed responsibility for these attacks. Meanwhile, America has sent 1,500 troops to the area. This means that so far Uncle Sam can secure the Strait of Hormuz, but there are still big risks. You see, no matter how much military presence you have, there can always be somebody putting a mine on one of those tankers. It doesn't have to be a big attack. Nobody dies, but this mine is big enough to blast a hole in the hull and stop the tanker from sailing. And what does this all mean? Well, this this means that the companies that insure those tankers might raise their premiums, and this would have a direct effect on oil prices worldwide. All of this means that whatever military presence they send, America needs a diplomatic solution. But Iranians, they don't trust Donald Trump. After all, he is the one who broke a previously signed deal, so, well, who can do this job? Well, let's have a look, shall we? Our man in 
Tokyo. Remember Shinzo Abe, the Japanese Prime Minister? Anytime we talk about him on visual politics, it's because we're talking about economics, a crisis, or the Olympic Games. The truth is, Japan has never been big on diplomacy until now. In June of 2019, Shinzo Abe traveled to Tehran to hold negotiations on behalf of Donald Trump. At the end of the day, who wouldn't trust the Japanese? I mean, who wouldn't want to have a beer with that guy? I mean, or accept his friendship request on Facebook. It's Uncle Shinzo, your Japanese best friend. So, did this plan work? Well, the answer is a clear and resounding no. From Fortune. Two Japan-bound tankers reportedly attacked near Strait of Hormuz. That's what I call not receiving somebody with open arms. So, in conclusion, Shinzo Abe returned home sad and Donald Trump started to do his thing. After the attack on those tankers, America sent the drone to spy on the Iranian coast. And well, what do you think happens? Well, I told you before, the Iranian army, they shot it out of the sky. And right at this moment, the tension was higher than ever. At this very moment, the consultancy Eurasia Group raised the chance of war from 30 to 40 percent, and it could get even worse. So what could Donald Trump have done after his drone had been knocked down? On the one hand, he could have made an airstrike, but this would have probably ended with the loss of human lives. And if then Iran had answered with another airstrike, some American soldiers might have died. And dear viewer, if an American died during this conflict, Trump would be almost forced to start a war. And now you might be wondering, well, does America want a war here? And well, it would really make no sense whatsoever. First of all, as we've seen, Iran has a really big and well-trained army. And we're talking about a country of 80 million people here. This is twice as many people as in Iraq. But not only that, do you really think anybody wants to have a war at the Strait of Hormuz? In this case, America and the rest of the world has much more to lose than Iran. At the end of the day, Iran cannot export most of its oil, and nobody wants such a big spike in the market price of oil. So now the question goes to all of you. Do you think that despite everything, we'll end up witnessing a war between America and Iran? Do you think the Iran nuclear sanctions were a good idea? How would you solve this problem? So I really hope you found that episode interesting. Please do consider leaving us a review wherever you download your podcasts, and we'll be back real soon with another episode.